All right. Welcome, everybody. This is Mary Craig Ministries and Craig House Christian Fellowship. We are in a series, Truth for All Time. The message today is the sufficiency of grace. I am Dr. Mary Craig, and Stephen Craig will be reading the scriptures. And it is September 3, 2023. And we're going to begin with prayer. Father God, we come before you in the name of Jesus Christ, whose we are and whom we serve. We thank you, Lord, for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, Lord. We thank you for the eternal plan and your purposes, Lord. And we thank you for your promise and that you are faithful to keep your word. We thank you, Lord God, that your grace is sufficient. It was not only necessary, the sacrifice of Christ and the suffering, but it was also sufficient, and your grace is sufficient. And Lord, we give you the praise today. May all that that is said honor you. That is the desire of our heart to honor and honor Jesus Christ. And we ask for the Holy Spirit to be in our midst that we might do that effectively. In Jesus' name, amen. The series is Truth for All Time. And the message the sufficiency of grace. Psalm 84.11 declares, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Grace. The one true and living God is the God of all grace. Is that grace sufficient? Have we found it to be so? God promised it in the Old Testament as, for example, Zechariah 12.10 And I will pour on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. The New Testament stresses the grace and truth that came with the incarnation of Christ. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. Every believer needs to know 
the sufficiency of God's grace, that he or she might trust the Lord from the heart and lean not on his or her own understanding when going through life by acknowledging him in all his or her ways so that the Lord will direct our path. Number one, grace for salvation. John 1, 1 through 5, also verse 14, six, verses 14, 16, and 17. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 15-17 But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, which more those, much more, those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, capital O-N-E, Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 5, also 8 and 9. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Grace without truth results in lawlessness and is what we call, quote, cheap grace, unquote. Truth without grace results in legalism and can greatly hinder a personal relationship with the Godhead, Father, His Son, and Holy Spirit. Number two, grace for daily living. What Jesus accomplished as to living a life of radical obedience 
personal, perfect, perpetual obedience, even to paying the penalty for sin, fulfilled all righteousness. Jesus died on the cross not having any personal sin, but dying voluntarily to make atonement, an atonement that was both necessary and sufficient as he bore the curse, bore the sin, bore the wrath of God, and bore the glory. A true believer is redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, meaning the once-for-all-time sacrifice of Christ himself resulted in the Father's acceptance of that sacrifice. It never needs to be repeated. Jesus Christ rose from the dead the third day and sits at the right hand of the Almighty. He came to bear witness to the truth and is himself the way, the truth, and the life. He made it so that true believers are reconciled to the Father, have guilt and liability removed and overcome. The wrath of God against all that offends a holy God, his nature and ways, and the agony of his love being rejected, and Satan's kingdom of darkness destroyed. The Holy Spirit applies what Jesus has accomplished. In the war of the already and not yet, we have grace to overcome our sin nature, pride, lust of the flesh, and lust of the eyes. We have grace to resist the devil, submit to God, and find help and hope to strengthen us as we move through our lives kept by the power of God. James 4, 1 through 10. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. But he gives more grace. Therefore he says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. So, humility is key. Think about Jesus in terms of his humility, for this is the spirit of true sonship. 
and you can look at Philippians chapter 2 for more, other places as well. 1 Peter 5, 5-11 Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. 2 Peter 3.18 But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. We are called to be steadfast, but not stagnate. God warns us in his word that we might not be taken by surprise, but rather learn how to be overcomers, how to worship in spirit and in truth, how to be ready, how to pray. While we look forward to glory, we can look back at all the examples of Scripture and look at the times in which we live in order that we not be discouraged, but rather allow the hope of the scriptures to fill us with the promise. Second Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 and 8. Each one should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not out of regret or compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, Having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And I know giving is always a touchy subject with too many Christians. We can but thank the living God that he is the giver, the source of all life and blessings. We learn to give as we grow in grace. In fact, we call it grace-giving. We are given grace, 
that we have giving hearts. Ephesians 4, 17 to 32. In order that we might give generously, graciously, gladly, as the Holy Spirit guides, and as we have purpose in our hearts to give in an obedient response to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Remember, the need is not the call. Doing in obedience to the will of the living God is the call. And I want to say the riches of Christ. We just read a verse, listened to a verse about God being rich in mercy and rich rich in graciousness. And you think about who Jesus is and the riches of his character the greatness of his love. When you read a passage, it's good. Don't just think about what's said. Also think about, and in Jesus' responses, also think about what he didn't say that he could have said and had the power if he had rebelled even a little bit. So think about it. Um, I think we, I think we limit what God will do in our lives when we limit the word riches to money and mammon and the things of this world. So, so there. (laughs) Number three, grace for power to bear witness. Zechariah 4, 1 through 7. Now the angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man who is wakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, What do you see? So I said, I am looking, and there is a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it, and on the stand seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Two olive trees are by it, one at the right of the bowl and the other at its left. So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me, saying, What are these things, my Lord? Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. And Zechariah, in that time, at their own time, people were discouraged 
a ring of enemies surrounded the men seeking to build and work on the temple. These men were not mighty as they were, as the world would define it. Yet they would finish because the source of all real strength for serving God and living as God would have us live is God's spirit. I read McLaren's commentary on Zechariah chapter 4, and now here are some of my thoughts. Let us keep to God's strength and not corrupt his oil with mixtures of foul-smelling stuff of our own compounding. And that's, I just, that's McLaren. And here, and here is more. What is our great mountain? God's hand crushes it into a plane. P-L-A-I-N. Where we believe the word of God, when we believe the word of God, have faith of God, the God kind of faith. God has what he says. The mountain either becomes a plain, as here in Zechariah, or is cast into the sea, as Jesus says in Mark 11, verses 22 to 24. Then there's this. The ruler finished his task, but it was not the end. It was a new beginning. Despise not small beginnings. Jesus Christ is the one who has made a real new beginning. He is Alpha and Omega. He will carry his work to the end. He is the beginning and the end, the foundation of the true temple, the cornerstone and the capstone. When he begins, he will also make an end. That's a quote from McLaren, that last line. When he begins, he will also make an end. McLaren commentary. And you can find it on BibleHub.com. Acts 4, verse 33. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Jesus had said the disciples were witnesses and that they would be given power to be witnesses unto him. After that, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And then Luke twenty four forty eight and Acts one eight. We see the testimonies in the book of Acts and throughout the New Testament. Second Corinthians twelve verse eight B to ten. So to keep me from becoming conceited, 
I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment, buffet, or beat me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected or made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest on me. That is why, for the sake of Christ, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We have great difficulties and struggles. Our biggest struggle is against our sin nature. God is greater than our sin. The mountain that needs leveling or cast into the sea is our guilt and liability for the debt note of sin. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Romans 8. Verse 32, it will all make sense one day when we behold the face of Christ. The already and not yet of our lives will become the now and forever according to the sufficiency of God's grace. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion or fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Father God, we again come before before you and we thank you that we come boldly to a throne of grace to obtain mercy and to find grace and favor in a time of in our time of need or in a timely way we thank you lord and i pray today that by your holy spirit you will expand our understanding and vision of the riches of Jesus Christ to go beyond the temporal and mammon and the things of this world, all the stuff, to the things that are that money cannot buy, the things that are eternal, and move us, Lord to understand your provision of love and joy and um, peace and long-suffering and the fruit of the Spirit, Lord, and the things, all the things that we need, the mercy and the grace and to see Lord, that you are able to do exceeding abundantly above 
all that we can ask or think. And Lord, help us to get that message so we're not so focused on our grocery list or our next meal or our momentary affliction, but we have that vision. In the Old Testament, it was considered beyond the horizon, beyond the horizon. And in the New Testament, Lord, it is eternal life. And let us give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And now if you please stand for the benediction. Hebrews 13, verses 20 and 21. Now may the God of the peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.